launch in three, two, one. Go. This is a dangerous beat that we're dealing with now. Introducing the Dog Pound Daily Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Sight. I must be louder. And site expert Stephen Kabitza. If it's a blowout, Monday's podcast is going to be a bummer. But if they win, it's going to be a party. This DJ is so funky, man. Okay, let's go. Welcome to the Friday edition of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Andrew Seipt. With me as always, Stephen Kabitza. Stephen, we've got a, a pretty packed show today. We're going to cover... Uh, the Tashawn Gibson comments that he made earlier this week about the Browns, uh, the Peyton Manning rumors, some of the speculation uh, brewing in, in suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, and then we're going to break down some of the free agent 2018 possibilities at quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. But starting it off, we're gonna we're gonna look forward to this week's game against Jacksonville. Stephen, what are your expectations for the Browns this week against Jacksonville? Well, I said last week I thought they were going to get slaughtered. Um, the way they played, I think Deshaun Kaiser progressed well, but this Jacksonville defense is no joke. They've been building it for a while, spending a lot of money. I think the Browns are going to lose, but I think the defense is going to hold tough against the Jacksonville offense. I think it'll be a good game, but there's, I just don't see Deshaun Kaiser not making mistakes with those hurt ribs and two backup tackles in there. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think it's definitely a game where the Browns are going to have to commit to the run. I know they did it through three quarters last week, and it's unfortunate that they weren't able to stick with it, even being down seven points. But here we are in week 11, you know, and this team's still winless. And last week we, you know, we probably had our best chance to win that late in the game, and it had to do with the running game. So I, I think the Browns have to run the ball today because, like you said, it's going to be tough for Deshaun Kaiser to be asked to drop back that many times against such a good pass defense. Looking like it's going to be Spencer Drango once again at left tackle. If Sean Coleman remains in the concussion protocol, Zach Banner at right tackle. Not to say that either are slouches, but you know that with backups in there, with Joe Thomas out anyway, they're going to overload that side. Well, you know, Treader, Treader didn't practice yesterday either, so he's possibly out. That's three three replacements on the offensive line. You, you never want to be down to your sixth, seventh, and eighth, uh, eighth guys, especially at, on that uh, position group. But, again, it's going to come down to Hugh Jackson and his scheme. You know, the, the teams do a very good job against the Browns of against the Blitz. You know, they'll get rid of it quickly. We saw Joe Flacco do that. You know, th- those are still some of the things that the Browns are going to have to implement this week if they want to move the ball with an, a beat-up offensive line to boot. And good news, Corey Coleman's coming back. Will he make it through the game with both his hands intact? I don't know. If Jalen Ramsey's back there throwing uh, chokeholds oh, no. like he did on A.J. Green, he could be in for a long day. Oh, him or A.J. Bouye. I mean, they're both really, really good corners. But yeah, Corey Coleman's back. We're still a few weeks away from the return of Josh Gordon. That will have us excited. Corey Coleman coming back is good, though. I mean, they the way Kaiser has to spread out the ball, hopefully he can just hone in on Corey Coleman the entire game and have a reliable receiver. Hopefully. Hopefully. I mean, offensively, it's going to be a struggle, but I think with Jamie Collins out defensively, and I think they lost James Burgess too, so you're down to your third string guy there. I think the really the only solid options left are, are Joe Schobert and Kirk, Chris Kirksey back there. And I think that really played into why Detroit might have been able to run the ball pretty well last week, considering the Browns were, I think, the third best run defense you know in the league prior to that game. So 
I'm anxious to see how Leonard Fournette plays in this game with Jamie Collins being out and t- really testing how good the Browns defense run defense really is. I think the main thing we want to talk about because you know predicting any Browns game is a painful experience is the Tashawn Gibson comments as you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Basically, just to sum it up, said he hopes his offense hangs 40 on the Browns, kind of bash the front office's moves, thinking they're going 0-16. Did you have a problem with the comments? I, I think we say most of that on this podcast. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not something that's wrong by any stretch. I have no problem with him saying it. Again, it's it's come to the point where I think most fans are just apathetic towards it because they know that it's true, and there's no there's the the Browns apologist thing really kind of goes out the window when you're this bad you know you, you can only stand by your team for so long maybe saying oh and 16 is a stretch because you, again you don't want to give them bulletin board material but I think what he said in terms of the front office you know kind of sending him on his way without really giving him a chance given that you know they they did get invest a lot into him to start out his career being I think a sixth round pick from Wyoming you know, I think maybe he just feels slighted at, at that organization for doing that. And now they're even still looking for a free safety. So Yeah, he was actually, I believe he went undrafted. Oh, that's right. He, he was. was he was undrafted, came in, was there for several regimes, worked his way up to a pro bowler. And then, but to be fair, though, I don't think he really tried. I don't think him and his agent really tried hard to re-sign with the Browns. I wouldn't have. Well, they said, I saw a tweet, I don't remember who it was from, but they said essentially the Browns gave him a good luck in your next venture instead of a next contract discussion. So it was kind of, I don't know if it was mutual, but the Browns definitely weren't in favor of bringing him back. And I don't know if it was for guys like Ibrahim Campbell or Derek Kindred, but you know, it wouldn't hurt to have him on this team right now, to be honest. Yeah, the Jags offered him a five-year, $35.5 million contract. I don't think the Browns were in willing to do that even though they probably should have because all this cap space is just going to Jimmy Haslam, all that <laughs> extra money. But, yeah, with his comments, the way I saw him, I saw him and immediately was like, yeah, they might go 0-16. They're making dumb moves, and they just have to pay off in the future. And the Browns players, at least Christian Kirksey, who's friends with Gibson, said, "I well, he said this, not me, but I'm just tr- I think he's trying to rile his team up. And which I agree, it's they're coming into a game. They don't want to go and fall into a trap. They're a play. They're poised for the playoffs, and he's confident in his offense and wants to. I mean, everyone wants to beat their former team. Yeah, I, I can. I can see that angle too. I mean, just looking at the I game mean, on like Sunday, malice against the front. No, office. no. Just... I, again, I, looking at the game on Sunday, you're right. They could easily think it's a trap game. We almost saw. We saw it in the first. You know five minutes of the game with Detroit last week the Browns come out and put 10 on them real quick they had to it took a little bit for Detroit to wake up in that game so you look at a game in the cold weather in Cleveland Jacksonville you know they are a running team to start so you're gonna have to sell out against the run this week I'd be really curious to see where Jabril Peppers is playing because you don't really you're not gonna need him that far back against Blake Bortles and his top two receivers being down in Allen Hearns and Allen Robinson they could just pack the box for the run all game and hope that Blake Bortles makes mistakes when he throws the ball, which he will. Yeah, uh, he hasn't had as bad of a year. I think th- their offense is top 10 in yards, and they're, they're a pretty good offense. But again, I think most of that is charged by that defense. When you're, when you're able to sack the quarterback as much as they do, force as many turnovers as they are, 
you know, you're, you're setting your offense up in really good field position, something that the Browns obviously need to capitalize on like they did last week, but they're going to have to avoid setting uh, Jacksonville up in, in favorable situations this week. And that's going to be the difference. We saw it at the beginning of the Detroit game, the defense coming out and just stuffing the Lions. But if they uh, – no, no pun there, stuffing the Lions. But on the, in the run game, if, even if they do that, though, against Fournette, there's no, there's no hope – that like the offense, the Browns offense is going to capitalize with like points off turnovers or touchdowns off turnovers. That's the frustrating thing. Well, I'm still confused at what the pun was. What was the pun that you said? Oh, I said for- stuffing the lions. What is the pun? As in stuffing them as if they were <laughs> stuffed lions. <laughs> I, I don't, think, I don't think that was a pun. Therefore, <laughs> I thought about it. I'm confused. <laughs> I didn't think that was a very good pun, and I think that held it up. Wasn't. That kind of held up the conversation. That's why I paused and addressed it. Okay, just making sure. Um, with that being said, I think we'll we'll use not, that. I don't as... really have a good grasp on the English language. <laughs> apparently, apparently not. We're going to move into something a, a little bit more speculative, more than than factual information. But uh, yeah, there's some some hot stove stuff going on in the, in the suburbs of Cleveland. I know there's been some some pictures going around with pending houses that are of the five million dollar variety. It's the Dan Gilbert jet watch. Oh, yeah. this is the best part about Cleveland sports. We track planes, the real estate market. Basically, the 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 smoke of the rumor is that a certain member of the Manning family Cooper? has purchased a giant house next to the Haslam's, and this is not this is not being reported by us by any stretch. Simply. Uh, stating something that's out on the interweb steven what are your what are your thoughts on uh possibly peyton manning buying a house in bratnall yeah i think that's the thing to make clear we're not saying oh this is fact or anyone's saying that's hey this is something someone said it's a rumor peyton to cleveland rumors have been here for since jimmy haslam bought the team so but i think what we're focusing on or maybe your question is would i like peyton here would i be Yes, at this point, yeah, and it's not even like a, I'm so beaten down by Sashi Brown bringing me Peyton Manning. It's just if Peyton Manning came here, I think it'd be almost a lifetime deal. Um, his way to like a John Elway, John Lynch, maybe not John Lynch so much, but John Elway. Like you have all this freedom, build the team, you can assemble a staff. And in no way am I saying Peyton Manning's a scouting guru. But Stephen, what experience does he have? I mean, well, I, was, well, I was getting uh, there. He doesn't have any experience. What, I mean, what makes him qualified to run a team? What makes Sashi Brown qualified to run a team? Well, well on that same token, why not a guy like Bernie Kosar? Bernie Kosar. I actually love that. Oh, I, I'm just <laughs> I'm poking fun at some of the rationale no, that I've seen on Twitter. I mean, you see people talk about Peyton Manning and, and how he might be unqualified to run a team, yet they're the first people to say Bernie, Bernie Kosar should be – you know, the, the next guy in the front office. And that's not to say Bernie wouldn't do a great job. I'm sure he would, but it just... He has no experience either. Yeah, it's the same logic. So if you're unhappy with Peyton Manning, like, what is the threshold? Because it can't get much worse than what we're seeing right now. And like you said, bringing in a, a guy like Peyton Manning is almost a, a lifetime contract. And I think I, I was talking to you about this last night. When you talk you talk about Peyton Manning and, and who he might attract around him in terms of a supporting cast... Guys like John Gruden, you know Tony Dungy, guys like that that are very, very well respected around the NFL, it, it will definitely drive a positive light in the national media to the Browns. No one's saying that like 
Peyton Manning is this scouting guru. It's just the fact that it, it's like higher. Like if he was like a university president, it's like he's the face, and people want to go there because Peyton Manning's there. It's like, hey, I get to work for Peyton Manning. He and his thing is he knows football so well. He'll surround himself with people who know more in these areas than you do. Peyton Manning. I don't think Peyton Manning's going to be sitting at the Senior Bowl with a visor on. I think he'll send his GM and his scouts. It's like knowing what you don't know. So if Peyton Manning isn't that great of a scout, you know, I'm sure he knows somebody in the in the NFL and his vast experience in all of that. You know, he's got to know somebody that knows a little bit about scouting. So I think he's a smart enough guy, like you said, to surround himself with good people. Uh, again, I he may even not he may not make the the per- final personnel decisions, but he may you know, be that intermediate guy that, that says, listen, I've heard both sides of this and this is what we're going to do, which is something that's desperately lacking in the current front office. He has connections throughout the league with agents, I'm sure, and everything you could think of. It'd be it'd be much easier just to bring people in, too, than Sashi Brown because it's not his fault. He's a first-time GM. It's tough to attract people to come, come to you. No one's going to buy into your message when your team stinks this bad. But if Peyton Manning shows up and says, hey, like, we're going to do this, it's like, oh, I trust Peyton Manning. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Imagine, you know, a free agent this year trying to get a contract from the Browns. You know, they attract guys like Kenny Britt, guys that they know are, well, they command more money, but the the output is not what you expect it to be or what what the salary should be. But when you put Peyton Manning and, and say, Tony Dungy or a guy like John Gruden paired with him in the front office, you know, that kind of meeting establishes immediate credibility with you know, some free agents, you know, no one's going to disrespect Peyton Manning unless, you know, he comes out and does completely awful. But again, I think he's a smart enough guy to do Brown And we don't know yet. That's very true. But again, I think having Peyton Manning establishes instant credibility that some, a guy like Holmgren, you know, who was at the end of his career, who really didn't care about football at that point, really couldn't do with this team. Holmgren openly said he wanted to be in Seattle, I think. Yeah, I mean, he was Peyton Manning's just starting his post-football ventures and like how he's going to define his legacy, not only as an all-time great NFL quarterback, but imagine if he and Gruden take over the Browns and you know they they were the saviors of the Browns. Like J- Gruden would only come out of the press box to unless he had a not a sure thing, but like a really good chance to I- improve upon his legacy. And I think what, he would command like a five-year deal guaranteed give me some personnel decisions or ironclad can't fire me in five years contract exactly (laughs) like if you fire me you're gonna have to pay me way more or something crazy but again i mean if you a guy like peyton manning's driving that decision maybe the haslams are more hands-off at that point because they they confide in a guy like peyton manning versus right now they have hugh jackson reporting to jimmy haslam sashi brown reporting to jimmy haslam you have everyone from every different department reporting directly to jimmy haslam when you insert a guy like Peyton Manning, that's all, that's the only person that, that needs to handle everyone's business and then reports directly to the owner. So I think just having that buffer in between is going to be, hopefully, if he ends up in Cleveland, you know, a big step in the right direction. But being realistic, I can see this regime being around for another year and they're like, well, you know, the 2019 draft is going to be the year where we make our big splash. I don't know how they could look ahead. Or they're going to take Darnold and Rosen both in the top ten with their two picks. <laughs> I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be mad at that. I mean, just find a freaking quarterback. Find somebody. You have again. I hear this. You know, I, we, I talked about this this morning as well. You have a, a free agent quarterback such as Kirk Cousins going possibly on the market next year, and this is obviously the third 
topic of what we wanted to talk about today. Tyrod Taylor being benched by Buffalo seemingly signals the end of his Buffalo tenure. So uh, definitely a target that the the Browns looked at last year. Unfortunately, wasn't made available. But if you sign a guy like that in free agency, I would still be okay with drafting a guy number one overall or even at that number seven pick. What do you think? Really quick, I just want to say, which we talked about off the air, the Bills are in total 2014 Browns panic mode. They're like, hey, we can make the playoffs. Let's put in our rookie quarterback who hasn't played. <laughs> Insane. And I wouldn't be surprised if Peterman has a, like, Manziel's start. We lost 30 to nothing. It's tough to come in. You're playing other teams that are in the midst of a playoff hunt, too. Well, didn't he play against the Bills, too, ironically? And got, like, he threw, he led a touchdown drive and then just got destroyed at the goal line. Like, his first drive was, like, 80 yards scrambling touchdown. We were like, oh, my God, this is going to be awesome. And then, you know. Everything else happened. <laughs> but to your point of the quarterback question, I, I forgot that Tyrod Taylor was a target, and then the Bills offered him that big deal. Yeah, and I, I think, again, it's another Andy Dalton-type deal where it's not – they could probably cut bait with him after this year and not be on the hook for a ton of dead money. So the Browns are going to be at the top of the waiver wire. Whether they want to claim a contract like that is up to them. I I, don't, I wouldn't bl- certainly wouldn't blame them for it, but, again, I, I wouldn't pass on a guy at number one – even with a guy like Tyrod Taylor there, or if they just kept Deshaun Kaiser, Deshaun Kaiser, and kept him there, you know that with Tyrod being the bridge quarterback that he so desperately needed this year. Yeah, it's it's tricky because Tyrod maybe a good team wants him, maybe a team like the Giants or something wants him for a year or two. You never know. But I, I I'm fully on board with the mindset of getting a guy like that who has won an NFL start one at least one to come in it's not even a bridge quarterback it's he's our quarterback and we're still going to draft guys it's and if he plays well we won't bench him like the bills did if he plays bad we're developing this guy behind him everyone gets i mean i say it too but like bridge quarterback it's no quarterbacks i mean nfl the lifespan of a player is not that long and there's very few guys who like the aaron Rodgers and you know tom brady's if you can get a guy for two solid years and you're and you're drafting well and not punting all your picks you're set up pretty well to succeed. Look at the Bills right now. They're five and four. Yeah, I mean, playing devil's advocate, you look at, you bring in a guy like Kirk Cousins and you claim that he's the starter, but if you draft a guy number one, you're obviously going to have factions of the franchise that, that would prefer to play that number one overall pick. And as we know in Cleveland, you know, quarterback competitions are no stranger to us, but you run into that almost, if, if like Kirk Cousins gets off to a middling start, you know, if they end up, only six and ten or something versus you know twelve and four like making the playoffs where are they are they really going to draw the line and not play that and and be diligent enough to not play that rookie quarterback can i can i lay out your ideal scenario first i want to have it on the air can i lay out my ideal scenario (laughs) well i'm laying out yours for you oh andrew's ideal scenario for those at home is peyton manning as the gm or president (laughs) And they trade a lot of assets for Andrew Luck, bringing Colts fans <laughs> total sadness. Um, we can send, we can get Trent Richardson back and send him over again. But I, I think I'd be on board with that. But that is definitely an idealistic view. Well, my my other scenario is when you bring over Peyton Manning, you bring over Eli because he's going to get cut bait with the Giants. All you do is sign him to like a two year like $40 million deal, use up some of that short-term cap space, 
develop one of the quarterbacks, whether it's a rookie or Deshaun Kaiser, and you know, right there, you you got you got yourself a football team, man. I I could not. I don't even care if his brother was there. I do not see Eli Manning signing with the Browns. <laughs> Me either. I'll give He's... it a zero. No way he would do that. I don't know, man. McAdoo McAdoo's definitely out the door in in New York. Eli can't be that creepy far off. looking guy. But I we tend to forget that their top two wide receivers are out for the year. So that's why they're yeah, one of the best bad. wide receivers in the game. And then Brandon Marshall, who's also really good. Don't want to oh, diminish used to be. him. Yeah, he was pretty bad the last two years, but yeah, I, the Browns are going to have to be aggressive this year in free agency, whether it's, and, and it's got to be the quarterback position. It's got to be offensive skill positions. Um, I, again, I'm still in favor of taking a guy like Saquon Barkley at number one, even with the quarterbacks there depending on who's I, I don't know who who would separate themselves at this point obviously Darnold is favored to go back to USC and everything will work itself out in time but you bring in a guy like Kirk Cousins and take a guy like Saquon Barkley you've, you've in, instantly you know made your team into at least a a competitive AFC North team at least they'll win a game yeah one game well the, if you look at it too everyone else in the AFC North is kind of going backwards like I, I doubt Roethlisberger comes back next year. He may come he back. He may be out there this year. He's like falling apart. They're, they're, but of course they're the top team in the AFC. That, and that's a testament to what's going on. I mean, Marvin Lewis could be out. Andy Dalton could be out, which is a, a name to watch too. Joe Flacco has back problems. Yeah, I mean, all these teams are just really not, uh, not doing well. So that even builds the case, the Brown, the case for the Browns even more to get a guy like Peyton Manning, because with two picks in the first round, three picks in the second round this year. You have a, a really good and, and a bunch of cap space, a lot of opportunity to improve this football team very fast in a division that's going backwards more so than it is going forward. Yeah, I mean, Josh Dobbs might be starting for the Steelers next year. Andy Dalton, who knows if he'll still be there. I mean, I'm sure he will, but if Joe Flacco's health is in question, the Browns quarterback will probably be like Mike Glennon. <laughs> I hope not. I hope not. But what's your score prediction for the game this week? I'm curious. Well, it's... I feel like every time I make a prediction, I'll be like, well, it's going to be bad weather, so they're going to run the ball. They'll throw it 90 times. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say 1917 Jaguars. 1917. I mean, if, if again, if the Browns can stop the run, it opens up at least a, a window of hope as, as to them being able to win the game. I don't know what the line is. Do you, by chance? It's okay. You don't have no, to No, but you can uh, ramble about something um, while I look it up. Again, if you if you're able to take the ball out of Fournette's hands and force Blake Bortles to beat you, then the, then the Browns have a chance. But after last week losing Jamie Collins and, and the run defense suffering due to that, I think Fournette has a big day, and the Browns will end up losing twenty four to thirteen. It is a seven and a half uh, underdog for the Browns, so you don't have them covering. I have them covering. Maybe a backdoor cover with the garbage time touchdown, like they usually do, but I don't think so. It's so tough because it's like, oh, maybe this will be the week. And you look at the Jags; they're six and three. They might. W- they're probably going to win that division. They're tied with the Titans right now. Well, the Titans play Thursday night, so maybe by the time this drops, they will have a better record. But first place team coming into Cleveland, Deshaun Gibson's probably screaming in the locker room. <laughs> they got to beat them. It'll be interesting to see how they come out. I mean, we say that every week. I, I hope they come out and play hard for Hugh Jackson, but. Again, we'll, we'll probably hear more about how they played really hard and they pra- had an amazing week of practice and they improved really, really well, but they'll come out and get 40 hung on them like the Jaguars players predicted. Jeez. Um, 
as we wrap up, I'd like to give a shout out, if that's okay with you. I'd like to give a shout out for the second time in a row to our friend Reggie, who not only listened to the show, but posted up on Facebook about the show. Yeah, thank you very much, I I, I think we didn't get many likes <laughs> on the post, but that's it's very nice. We like when people, and his dad... Maybe listening. So once again, hello, <laughs> Mister Mister Reggie's dad. We'll keep Reggie's <laughs> name private. Diamond, Reggie Diamond, Reggie Diamond. <laughs> but yeah, we're, we love when people share about the show. We'd love if people would tweet at us about the show. Literally anything, even just a gif. Yeah, just or fun. gif. How do you say it? Depending on where you're from, we'll respond. We have nothing better to do. Right away. You will have a quick response. But, Andrew, anything else from you? I mean, it's I, – I don't want to get too excited. I'm a little excited because I can finally watch the game in the comfort of my own apartment for once after being all over on the road for the past few games. I'm not, I'm not excited. I, I'm going <laughs> to – I'm more excited for my fantasy team. I got a big matchup this week against the number two seed. So hopefully that uh, turns out to be a victory for me and I keep my win streak going. I'm projected 128 points in Dynasty this week. 128 points. Can you believe that? You're not going to get 128 points. No, I'm going to score like 85, and that's it. That's usually what happens. The SBN projections are brutal. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Dak Prescott's projected to get 35. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> that always happens. But, yeah, I think that just about does it for me. You got anything else? Nah. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. Read the site. And thank you for listening.